Well, greetings, online Church of Grace and Peace family. I'm so glad that you joined us once again for online service. And if you didn't get a chance to hear my welcome at the very front end of uh, this broadcast, I want to encourage you now to go to graceandpeace.org and watch us online there if you're watching on a social media platform and you're not already over there. And the reason for that is uh, there is access to our note sheet and a lot of the action steps that we'll talk about at the end of the message uh, will all be there, as well as an opportunity just for you to connect with us. There's a Connect card. We have a free gift for you if you're new and you haven't filled out a Connect card yet. So it's just a way for uh, us to uh, uh, interact more uh, as you're attending online church campus. And uh, if you're in the area or whenever you are in the area, we always invite you to come and join us in person at the Toms River campus on Old Freehold Road. And uh, yeah, we're, we're glad to see you here and we hope to see you in person sometime. All right. Well, we're going to pray for the offering now and then I'm going to get to our message that's in our series known by his name. So, Father, we do just thank you so much for all the giving that is taking place online from your faithful people. God, we thank you for the vision that you have given to this house and the fact that you have given the privilege uh, for us together to be a part of walking that vision out. Lord, as we pray for it, as we participate in it, Lord, as we sow financially toward it. And so, Lord, we pray your blessing on every dollar and every cent that all would work to the lifting of Jesus' name in our world around us. And Lord, we continue to pray that you would meet needs, that you would bring breakthrough and resource wherever it's needed. And Father, we just give you praise for that. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, our series, Known by His Name, we are in part five here, and we're going to be talking this week about the God who sanctifies, the God who sanctifies you. And uh, the, the name uh, that we read literally in the, the Bible that translates to the God who sanctifies is Jehovah Mekodishkum. So uh, that's, that's a fun word to say, but that's, that's uh, what we translate into the Lord who sanctifies you. So uh, we're going to be looking specifically at this name of God and, and what it means about God's character and then what it means for you and I as God's people. So we're going to begin in Exodus chapter 19. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 and we're going to see uh, where God uh, reveals himself in this name. So let's take a look. It says, On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord God called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So God's plan for Israel was for uh, them to be his treasured possession, literally a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And of course, in the New Testament, 
we find that that's God's plan uh, for believers in Christ Jesus uh, as well. That certainly as that was a truth for Israel and it's a truth for Israel, uh, that is also a type of what was going to happen for uh, all of God's people in the new covenant. And so let's take a look at 1 Peter 2 uh, verses 9 and 10. And it says to us as Christians, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he is the God who makes us holy. And in Exodus thirty-one thirteen, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. Here it is where we see um, the Lord who sanctifies you. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. The Lord who sanctifies you. So it's interesting that the context that the Lord, uh, uh, you know, affirms and reveals himself in light of this name of, of God who sanctifies you is amidst this command to observe his Sabbaths. Pretty interesting. And we'll circle back to that just a little bit uh, in, in the message here in just a minute. So let's talk about here the name Jehovah Mekadishkum, what it reveals to us. Okay, and, and really I'm just going to keep it simple here. There's two things, but they're, they're significant things that as God's people, we want to make sure that we grasp and that we live in light of. And so here's the first one. And again, if you're following in your notes, this is a fill-in in your notes. Number one, God sets his children apart. We know that we saw this in the, the Old Testament scripture about Israel. Among all the nations, you will be my treasured people, my treasured possession. And then we see in the New Testament scripture in Peter, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, set apart, called out as God's people. And so when a person is saved, when a person makes Christ Lord and Savior of their lives, says yes to Jesus, we know the Bible tells us that, that the Lord uh, moves into our heart, literally dwells in our heart through his Holy Spirit, and we become born again. And when we become born again, when we are saved, God sets us apart. The word holy, God makes us holy, God sanctifies us, that word holy means to set apart. So just as God set the na nation of Israel apart as his treasured possessions, so are Christians set apart as treasured possessions for God as well. A Christian has been bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus, and he no longer belongs to himself, but belongs to God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace of to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So, so God sets his people apart, and then this, this verse of scripture that we just looked at here gives us our second important truth that we're going to look at here today, and it's that God wants us to live holy lives. God has set us apart, set us apart as his treasured possession, set us apart to show the world what it looks like to be God's people, 
to show the world what God's character and nature is like. And in order for us to do that, we need to live lives that are set apart, lives that are sanctified, lives that are holy. And it isn't us who does the sanctifying. Yes, we have to cooperate with God and we have to act in line with God, but it's Him who's doing the work. He's doing the work on the inside to make us holy, and then it's to be lived out and worked out in our lives that we live lives that are holy unto Him. So because God is holy, and because we are called to be His people, we then are are called to live this holy life in all that we do. So how do we live a, a, a life of holiness? How do we live holy lives before the Lord? Well, if we go back to this verse of Scripture, I just kind of want to block it into a couple of key thoughts that it gives us that helps us understand how to live a holy life. And so number one, uh, we live a holy life with our mind. Notice that it said in the beginning of that verse, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, and then it goes on to say other things, you know. Uh, but but it's, it's certainly something with our mind. And, and we did a, a series just before this on thinking like a Christian. So, so I won't spend too much time on this. But the word is filled with all kinds of instruction on what we're to think on, what we're not to think on. The, the word is filled with all kinds of revelation that explains that, that our thinking and, and what we set our mind on affects our attitude. It affects whether or not we're walking in faith. It affects our our paradigm on how we build our worldview. Uh, so uh, what we see here about being sober and being alert, you know, when it comes to holiness here, we need to prepare our minds by focusing on God's word, focusing on his word, and then focusing on his voice. Thank God he has given us direction and leading by his precious Holy Spirit that's living in us. And then we have his living word of God. Uh, and, and, and those two uh, powerful voices in our life, the voice of God's spirit and the voice of God's word, uh, work together so that we can have minds that are sober, minds that are alert, minds that are set on things above, minds that are thinking on the things that God has called us to think on. And what we think on is really taking us somewhere. Right? It says in the word, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. So our thinking kind of leads our direction. So what we think on is really what we're preparing for. So if we're thinking on God things and, and, and righteousness and God's commands and God's ways, we're going to be walking, uh, um, we're going to be kind of pulled in the direction of being set apart unto him, walking in holiness as unto him. And, uh, you know, if we're thinking about how we're defeated, if we're thinking about what we're afraid of, uh, then, then that's going to be preparing us for worry and fear and defeat, right? So uh, we live a holy life, number one, with our mind. And then we see in this verse of Scripture 2, number two, by being self-controlled. Now, I, I would say that there's two aspects to this. There is the aspect of there's choices and decisions that we have to make as it relates to self-control, you know, to not blurt something out that that's from our flesh or our temper that we would regret saying or um, you know by gossiping about something or responding to gossip that we hear um, what we choose to um, entertain as far as our, our social media and our you know our viewing and our streaming and our movies and all those different things so there's there's a level of self-control where we just have to make some decisions to do the right thing but I want to I encourage us today that that aspect of it should be placed on top of a foundation 
of recognizing that ultimately self-control comes from the Holy Spirit. It is a fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So as we are yielded to God, as our mind is, is set toward Him, as we are filling with the Word and listening to the voice of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is, is being worked out in our lives. And thank God one of that fruit of the Spirit is self-control. But then there is also ultimately the determination that we have to make. I won't do that. That's not righteous. That's not godly. I will do that. That is righteous. That is godly. And so there, there is a working together on those two. But uh, certainly uh, self-control is something that's a tag team work where it's our will uh, in choosing to lead ourselves toward the things of God, but it's also walking after the Spirit at, by making choices to walk that way as opposed to walking after the flesh and making choices to, to walk that way. All right, a third thing that we see here on walking into and walking out and living a holy life, you notice that, uh, let, let me go back and, and bring us back to the Scripture here where it says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So a, a third aspect of walking out holiness is going to be setting our hope on Jesus. You know, uh, just, just living in a way where our focus, our hope. You know, when we think about hope, hope is a vision of something ultimately that we want to see. And if we live in light of eternal things, going back to our first point, setting our mind on things above, one of the most important things to set our mind on is this awareness that Jesus is coming back. And so when we set our hope on Jesus, that's the ultimate destination. And, and if that's what we're aiming toward, and that's what's caught our, our vision and, and, and the eye of our heart and what we see, then, then we're going to continue moving toward that direction. The, the things of God and the ways of God and, and the principles and precepts of God, those things are going to be much more appetizing, much more um, uh, things that we're going to want to pursue as we are setting our hope on Jesus Christ. The Bible says in these last days, right, that the, that the world is, is going to get shaken and shaken again and shaken one more time. And if we're not living a life where we're set on the hope of the return of Jesus Christ, then we're going to get shaken up. We're going to get rocked in a way that God never intended for his people. He wanted us to be anchored in him even when the world is trembling all around us. So setting your hope on Jesus, that's another just practical point that we see in this scripture that's going to help us walk out and live out holy lives. And then number four, this kind of ties in with um, uh, some of the other points that I just made here. Uh, I, think, I think I've included this concept, but I just want to lay it out. Number four, we walk out a life of holiness by being obedient to God. So, yes, you could say that's kind of been implied in some of the other things that I said here, you know, being self-controlled and things like that. But ultimately, making the decision, God, I want to know your ways. I want to know your heart. I want to know your guidance. I want to know your leading. And I'm purposing. I am committed to obey you. You know, church, it's sad to say, but much of the modern church has taken God's commands, God's precepts, God's principles, and, and God's leading, and they've turned it into a buffet where, where they'll pick and choose which things they want to follow, 
which things they want to agree with, which things that they want to live their lives in light of, and then maybe other things, just leave them at the buffet. But God, God told us it's, it's not where we pick and choose. You know, uh, we let him lead in every area of our lives. It's interesting, our secular world that's persecuting and coming against the church wants the church to get more and more out of the public square and get more and more uh, uh, put in the closet. Uh, you, you know, almost this picture of, hey, if you're a Christian, put the blinds down and be a Christian inside your own home. But don't push that on us out in the secular world. That's the spirit of Antichrist in the world. And, and that would mean a Christian would have to compartmentalize their faith. But God never said that that faith and, and lordship of Christ and obedience to God is just one compartment of our life. Right? We know that, that God teaches us to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, is acknowledging that Jesus is Lord over all of it. And so that means that every facet of our life, God's word, God's commands, God's voice of his Holy Spirit is talking and moving and showing us how to live. So being obedient to God, just simple, pure obedience to God uh, is one of the strongest ways that we're going to be able to live set apart unto the Lord. And, you know, we might stop and say, well, you know, in, in our modern day, you know, there's a lot of things that, that are going on in our world that maybe we don't find chapter and verse for, you know. But what we do see in the Word of God is principle and wisdom that we can use to take anything that the world might say is gray and really get a very black and white, cut dry perspective on whether or not this is something that should be in my life, that I should be participating in, that I should be doing. So that's the good news. Obedience to God, the more and more we get into his word, the more and more we get to know his character and his nature, the easier it is for us to get out of deception, the easier it is for us to have discernment, and the easier it is for us to shed off the world and to look more and more like him. That's why I'm constantly, as a pastor, beating the drum that we got to have quiet, private, extremely regular, I think daily times with the Lord that are quiet, where we're still, where we're reflecting on who God is, we're reflecting on his word, we're in prayer, we're just humbling our hearts before him, and we're, we're allowing God to work out our salvation. Right? We're called in the word of God to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And if we make a regular habit uh, of saying, I'm going to walk with God throughout my day, but in each day, I'm going to have time set aside where I'm bringing my life before him, where I'm considering my ways. Right? It also tells us in scripture, walk circumspectly. Walk in light of God and his ways and his word because the days are evil. So th this name of God, what a beautiful thing. God has not called us to works. He's not calling us to be holy by just mustering raw willpower in order to try to be good enough for him. We can't be good enough and we can't manufacture holiness. But the word of God tells us if we will enter relationship with God through the relationship with the father, through the blood of his son on the cross, and receive Christ as Lord of our lives, and then seat him on the throne of our heart, and then begin to learn of his way and walk with him, and allow the voice of the Spirit to be uh, something that leads our decisions and, and the direction that we take. 
then we are going to see that we are becoming more and more set apart unto God, more and more holy. It ought to be that people see less and less of the old nature and more and more of, uh, uh, more and more of the Lord in our lives. And we have to yield to it by faith. It's, this is something that, that happens to us because we're saved. It's something that happens because of this wonderful free gift of salvation that we become born again and now God has set us apart. And now we have this joy of walking out this life journey of letting that salvation be worked out from the inside out. So I pray that your heart is stirred and that your heart is, is very encouraged. Uh, I, I want to ask a question now as we, we're starting to come in for a landing here. So take away from this sermon. Okay, so Lord, the, the, the message is about being sanctified. The message is about knowing that you have set us apart. Now, Lord, how much am I living as a, a, a holy nation, as a royal priesthood, a chosen people? How much are we living our lives in light of that right now? How much is that the filter through which we're making all the decisions that we make? And I would suggest a really, really great prayer that, that we can bring before God on a regular basis is Psalm 139, verse 23. And it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. It goes on to say, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That, that's, that's a heart that's, that's humbled before God. That's a heart that says, Lord, you have set me apart and I want to live as that chosen royal priest that you've called me to be. So, hey, as we look at our action steps here, our takeaways from this message, let's look at some practical things that we can walk out uh, after we're done here in just a few minutes. Number one, as always, the starting point is asking, is Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of my life? If we have made him Lord and Savior, then praise God, we can move on to these, these next things we'll talk about. But if not, it's the first thing we have to do. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, they would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we, we have this precious, beautiful gift that God has given every person in Jesus Christ dying on the cross and bearing our sins and paying the price for our sin and ransoming us back to God so that we could be saved, so that we could be made whole, and so that we could be restored back to relationship with God. But God did that for the whole world, and each one of us must make the choice on whether or not we're going to receive that. So, hey, have you made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life? If you've not, there's a spot in our next steps here where I will lead you in a prayer of salvation and then there'll be an opportunity to follow up and get some material that, that'll help you better understand, you know, what does the Bible say it looks like to be a Christian and how do I walk this out to be a follower of Christ? Maybe uh, you're, you're watching now and, and at some point in your life, you had made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, but you're not, you're not living it out now. And so maybe this would be a time to say, I really need to rededicate my life. I need to get back on track. I, I, have, I have moved God off of the throne of my heart. 
and now I have to move him back on. I need to get my life back in order. And if that's you, then, then same thing is just pray that prayer of, of surrender, of rededication to invite him back. And, and the Bible says that the prayer of faith, he's never going to despise. He's never going to cast us away. And then we're in that, that, that sure, solid place. We're on solid ground that Christ is Lord of our lives. So that's our first action step. The second one is to evaluate your word intake. How much are you feeding on the Bible, the word of God? Now, this is oftentimes a, uh, one of our action steps in our sermons because it's just that important. We have to make sure that the word of God is something that we're keeping in our lives. So, hey, I want to ask you this. Does there need to be any change in the quantity of the word that I'm feeding? Does there need to be more? I probably can't think of a reason why somebody would say they want less of the word in their lives. You know, I am just spending too much time in the word of God. I got to back it off. It's probably more going to be, no, I need some more time. So if you do need some more time, what's that going to look like? And how is that going to happen? How are you going to get that going? And then does there need to be a, a better quality of your time in the Word? You know, is it reading or is it stopping enough to chew on it, to reflect on it, to make application, and then to uh, carry whatever lesson or whatever challenge the Lord is giving us from His Word, to carry that with us out of our time of reading and get it worked out into our lives. Uh, a third action step is to evaluate your lifestyle in light of um, what in your life right now, if you were to put the things going on in your life, so I'm talking about everything in your lifestyle, from your relationships to your thought life to the words you speak to um, your, your hobbies and pastimes, to how you conduct yourself at work, just, just everything in your lifestyle. If you were to search that and put it in the category of this sanctifies me and this toxifies me, what would you come up with if you made that an inventory for your life? We're talking about in this message, God has sanctified us and we want to grow in walking out a life of holiness. So is there anything in your life right now that you would say, hey, that's doing the opposite? You know, maybe it's, maybe, it's, um, maybe it's some friendships in your life. And when you get together, it's constantly negative conversation. You know, and that's toxifying, that's polluting, that's kind of ugly, that doesn't glorify God, that doesn't help anything. So maybe your takeaway is, all right, how do I start to get this friendship to where that's not where our conversation goes? You know, that's just one example that we could look at. But just looking through what helps your holiness and what hinders your holiness. And then I want to throw a fourth thing in here uh, as a step. Join a ministry to experience the sanctifying benefits of serving. And as I think back through my walk with God, when I started serving in a ministry, it, it, it called me higher. It made me more consistent in my following of Christ as a new believer. It put responsibility on me and, and it really helped my holiness. It helped my being sanctified in the Lord. So if you're not currently serving, I want to challenge you to think about maybe that's a step that God wants you to take today. As you get involved in serving and ministering to others, you can't help but feeling God calling you higher. So Lord, I pray that you'd bless and lead each and every one of us here today. Lord, we thank you that it's you that has sanctified us. And Lord, now show us how to walk that out in greater and greater ways in the days to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen.
God bless you, church family. We'll see you soon.